West Bulls, good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. If we have not met, my name is Nathan, and I get to be pastor here, and we are a church that is simply about connecting with Jesus, connecting with people, and connecting people with Jesus. And it's with that in mind that I actually want to do something before the message here. Um, Obviously, and I know nobody in here needs reminders of this, but this week, many of our students go back to school. And so I would love to have right now, whether it's elementary, junior high, high school, college, higher education, uh, would you please stand if you are a student this upcoming school year? Okay. Oh, stay standing, stay standing. Also, uh, if you are a teacher, at any level of education, would you please stand? Okay, now the ones who were all, stay standing, sorry. Now all the ones that were really scary for me to go see in high school. Administration, administration, if you would please stand. All right, one more. One more. Finally, anybody who is just educational staff, that means coaches, that means uh, teacher assistants, that means custodial staff, anybody who is educational staff, would you please stand? Because ultimately, to start this school year, we want to pray for you. So... Will you join me in prayer for all of these guys? Heavenly Father... For our students, our teachers, our administration, our educational staff that are standing in our presence right now, we lift them up to you. We pray for our students that as as they walk through this school year, that they would walk into this school year filled with your Holy Spirit, knowing that you have a specific purpose for them, that you have gifted them, you've given them talents beyond maybe what they're aware of. But teach them, guide them into those each and every single day this year. For our teachers, we pray for wisdom, we pray for clarity as they walk next to the students and as they carry out the thing that they've been so gifted to do. For administration, as they look at the direction of the the school, of lessons, of you name it, all the different activities that go on in the schools throughout the year. We pray for wisdom, guidance, protection for them. For our educational staff, We pray that you would just continue to use them mightily, whether they're walking next to somebody, whether they're interacting and interfacing directly with with our students. We pray that you would just lift them with your mighty hand, use your spirit in each of these groups to work through them, that regardless of performance this year, you would remind them that you, you alone are their audience and you alone have a specific purpose for them. And for parents, For parents, as we send children to school, we pray that you would give us wisdom. You'd give us peace of mind and heart as we send our children every single day. We ask for your protection over this school year in every single way. We pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you a question that I have asked my children. I've asked kids many times. I was asked this as a child. Uh, Maybe you've pondered this even as an adult. But if you could be any animal, if you could be any animal in the world, what 
would you choose? You get one, you get one choice, that's it, all right? If you could be any animal, what would that be? Maybe you've got a mental picture right now. For me, I remember at a young age, it has shifted for me, but at a young age, I remember seeing Wizard of Oz for the first time, and I went, I want to be a lion, a tiger, a bear, Oh my, oh my, that's right. And then an equally epic film came out about 12 to 15 years ago. It so spoke to me that I went, no, I want to be that animal. And that equally epic film to Wizard of Oz was Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> and they introduced the concept of a liger. It's a lion-tiger mix. And I went, oh, oh my, I want to be that. And then a few weeks ago, we were in South Dakota at Bear Country, and I witnessed this. Take a look at this video. Yeah, so cute. I'm sure we all think oh, I would jump in there and I would just hug them and we'd, we'd instantly regret that. But I think what captured me about this is I think this was going on for a good five, ten minutes before we walked up. We stood there for about 10 minutes, and they just kept going, and it kept going after we were gone. And I just, for me, it was the energy level. I went, oh my goodness, at this stage of life, I want to be a bear cub. That's all I want to be. <laughs> and then, recently, uh, Chris and San uh, Shannon Sage over at a coffee bar, and Chris and Stephanie Higley, they were standing at the coffee bar after service one day, and they were looking outside, and they suddenly saw a hawk swooped down out of nowhere and grabbed this bunny that was chewing the grass out here. And instantly I went, okay, listen. So, okay, some of you... <laughs> oh, man. Just give me a chance to explain. All right. So some of you have, have come forward and said, listen, Nathan, I used to mow lawns too. I used to have a lawn business. We all know who the real predator is in this situation, don't we? It's the bunny, okay? The hawk was just minding his own business. He needed something to eat. He was defending the church, God's kingdom, from predators that were trying to chew away at the grass. And I went, I want to be a hawk. I so want to be a hawk. Well, let me draw your attention to an animal I, you likely did not think of. And it's an animal that is pointed at a few different times throughout Scripture. And it's found in a psalm that even if you've never engaged the Bible, you've likely heard pieces of. But listen to this. Psalm 23. The Lord, David, David wrote this, King David. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. What animal are we seeing there? A sheep. And I, I read that and I go, a sheep? Lord, a sheep? I, I mean, lion, tiger, bear, liger, uh, hawk, you name it, bear cub. But a sheep? I, I guess I just never really dreamed of being like a sheep. Because sheeps, I, I get these images of like blankets and sweaters, 
and lamb chops in mind. Not a sheep, Lord, and yet, and yet, as we close this series we've been talking about today, refuel. Refuel. Remember what we said in week one? The whole idea behind this is during these summer months, when the calendar is maybe a little bit slower, we can fill up now or you pay up later. Because the calendar is about to get a little bit more hectic or a lot more hectic for many of us in here. And Jesus, through his word, you know what he says? He says, if you're going to be like any animal, he spoke through King David to say, be like a sheep, be like a sheep. And so this morning, I just want to walk through this psalm. And for many of us, this is like the psalm. It might have been the first psalm many of us in here ever heard. But I just want to step through it because it gives us so many glimpses and so many insights as to why we might be drained as we walk through any part of this of the year, any part of the calendar. But will you join me as we walk through this? Because King David is going to very, very literally point at his own experience when he was a shepherd boy to share. Let's walk back through what we just read. Verse 1, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. This, raise, this raises a question for me, and I want, I want to pose it to you. What do you want right now? What do you want? And I know many of us are probably hesitant to answer that because of the verse that we just read. But honestly, if you think about the things you want, maybe it's a change in circumstances, maybe it's a material object, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a different way of being in this relationship. What do you want? And the reason I ask that is because as I sat with this, this oh-so-familiar psalm, some very new things came to light. And I realized that all the things I've ever wanted in life, all of them, really weren't so much about the thing as much as what the thing would do for me. And as I read this and as I sat with this, the Lord put on my heart, Nathan, whether or not you ever got that thing you want, do you trust me? Can I supply the thing that the thing you think would give you? Do you trust me? Am I enough, Nathan? See, a lot of times I think what happens is we, we don't necessarily walk through life not in want. We walk through life with a lot of want and a lot of discontentment and we chase we chase after contentment. This is why I loved so much week two, Julie Burns. She, she came to us with Psalm 71. And the heart of Psalm 71 is that the Lord is my confidence. But too often, I've been very convicted that my confidence has been in the things I want. And he says, I can, I can supply that for you. Whether you ever get the thing or not, I can supply the peace that it would bring you. But too often, we chase after contentment. And in many ways, instead of being a sheep, you know what I've noticed in my own life? I try to be more like a lion. I was reading about lions <laughs> recently. And that lions, uh, they're, they're very prone to, I mean, here is this powerful animal that could probably go after anything it wanted. In fact, recently, I spent way too much time on YouTube watching this lion jump into this river, grab a small alligator in its jaws, and just carry it out like it was nothing. I was like... I want to be a lion. I want to be a lion for sure. 
But lions, interestingly, will not actually go after any animal, unless they're starving, they will actually wait for something that they sense is injured as prey because they know with greater certainty they can get that prey. And as I, as I read that, I thought, so much of the time, I think we're so much more like lions than sheep. That if we want something bad enough, there is nothing and no one will, we won't run over to get the things we want. And David brings us back to the sheep here. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Well, he continues. And in verse two into three, he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now that's an interesting picture because if a sheep is in green pastures, you'd expect it to be eating. But he says, no, I'm so satisfied He has so satisfied me. He has so nourished me that I will actually lie down in green pastures. I will rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Do you notice that word? Restores my soul. How does he do it? In the process of lying down, in resting. He restores my soul. And as I thought about us, as I thought about even us in America, I think we're unaware of the drain that goes on. And it's kind of like when you set your phone down long enough without recharging it. Even if you're doing nothing on the phone, it's going to drain. And even if we were to just sit there, as I read this, I realized we are going to be drained constantly because we're, we're spinning we're spinning. We have our yeses and our noes that we that will say yes to some things and no to others, but oftentimes we'll say yes to the very things that drain us. And we'll say no to the very things that God wants to use to refuel us. It's a cycle we all go through and and Amy Shane so beautifully pointed at this. She led us through uh, like a time of meditation as I listened to it, Psalm 46. She emphasized, be still. That's the image of a sheep lying down in green pastures. Be still and know that I am God. And what I loved that she brought to us that morning so much was the emphasis on all that God is. See, oftentimes I think, oh yeah, I should be still and I know that God is enough, but I gotta spin, I gotta spin, I gotta spin, I've gotta find my way. And not only do we chase after contentment, but our culture and our society is so fast-paced that we're unaware of the drain. And so we spin looking for purpose. Um, Lainey, our middle schooler, she wants to, she's been asking us to get a hamster. And um, I was in the pet store one day, we had to take our dog in there. And I looked at the hamsters and I just, so I don't see the point, okay? And we've talked about this, but I walked up to the hamster cage and this guy's just spinning. And he's spinning, you know, we have that phrase, spinning on the hamster wheel. And I just went, I actually verbally said to the hamster, what is the point of your life? And he just... Now, if he had answered, we were going to buy that hamster right there. But oftentimes, I think we're more like hamsters spinning on a wheel than we are sheep. No wonder we get drained. Well, David continues through, and he says, he guides me in paths of righteousness 
for his name's sake. One way that we choose our paths in life, Brian Burns highlighted in week three of this series, it's our words. Our words will put us into commitments that send us down paths that we may never have intended to go down. Our words get us in trouble. Our words make us have to dig out of a hole oftentimes. Our words commit us to things that we stop and we go, what on earth was I thinking? Our words are oftentimes we'll say them and we wish we could reel them back in. But there's a lot of energy that has to go into fixing the things we say, especially in the context of relationship. And Brian, Brian on week three, he said, listen, the words that we have for one another, they start with the words right here, with that prayer time with our Heavenly Father, with listening to what He wants of us. And I looked at that and I just thought, man, you know, sometimes we chase like lions, sometimes we spin like hamsters, other times we wander. Our words send us wandering. Now, can we talk seriously for a minute about an animal that has been in the news a lot lately? Baby sharks, baby sharks, all right? I was reading, this was actually an Investor's Business Daily recently. There was an article about the song Baby Shark. Is everybody familiar with the song Baby Shark? We will not be playing it this morning. Okay, drives me crazy, okay? The only thing that keeps me sane when that song is playing is this, this little guy right here. This is, yeah, that's our nephew, Joseph, and cutest kid in the world. And so this song was playing one day, and right as I was about to throw Alexa out the window, uh, that's Amazon Alexa, not somebody named Alexa. Anyway, um, Joseph started dancing, and I went, I can't be mad right now. But the rest of the time I hear Baby Shark, I want to throw Alexa out the window. And as I was reading this article, it said that millions upon millions, we're talking tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars, this song could earn in royalties for somebody, but in the country that it came out in, it was declared public law, which means nobody has rights to this song. And there is this bitter dispute between about five different parties who just, they showed footage on YouTube of this courtroom, I believe it's in South Korea, of people screaming at each other over the song Baby Shark. Baby Shark. And it, this article in Investor's Business Daily just said, how can a song meant to bring so much joy to children throw adults into an absolute temper tantrum? See, our words can send us wandering. Now, just think about the lyrics of the song for a minute. Ready? Baby Shark, do, 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 do. It's so directionless. It's so aimless. What is the point of this song? And oftentimes, we're more like, well, not baby sharks, but people fighting over baby shark in no direction whatsoever than we are like sheep. Finally, David lands in verse 4 on another image. First part of verse 4, he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Last week, we looked at this idea that sometimes in life, you just end up in a dark place. Sometimes we end up in a cave. And oftentimes, we spend so much energy trying to avoid the cave because we have this thing that's part of our human nature, it's fight or flight. 
In fact, it's a very real part of nature all around us. This happened at our house just a couple weeks ago. I had gotten home from a bike ride, and this is what I saw from our front porch. And I was just trying to say hi. This is all I was trying to do. I don't know if he heard my foot or what, but I, he, he's looking at me there. I tried to tell him to come here. He wouldn't come back to me. But I just, I thought about this deer and I thought, how flighty of this deer, but how flighty am I? We're so reactionary. When there's the slightest hint of the dark places in life, we're so reactionary. And in many ways, we avoid. We avoid out of fear. We chase after contentment. We spin looking for purpose. We wander looking for direction. And we avoid out of fear. Over and over and over. But I want to I point you back. I just want to point you back to one word. Because in the process of the chasing and the spinning and the wandering and the avoiding, you know where we end up? Really, really drained. And it says something about us. We are looking for shelter from the dark places of life. That if I don't have the thing I want, if I don't spin, if I don't wander and find my own way, if I don't avoid the dark places, then it would be worse than death. And we're really, really drained. And that's one way to live. But I want to point you back to one word in this verse. Take a look. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. See, that's interesting because most of us want away from the valley. Most of us want around the valley. And if we're feeling courageous enough, we'd say, Lord, you can take me near the valley of the shadow of death. And he says, no, it's through the valley of the shadow of death. I know you're looking for shelter from the valley of the shadow of death, but this life is a journey through the valley. But God, that's not what I want. And he says, I can supply what you want, but it's through the valley of the shadow of death. But God, I thought you wanted to make me lie down and restore my soul. He said, yes, because you're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, I thought you were guiding me into paths of righteousness for your name's sake. He says, yeah. And that leads through the valley of the shadow of death. Even though, even though, David says, because David knows it's through the valley. When I wake up in the morning, when you wake up in the morning, it's through. This entire life is a walk in a world that is under the shadow of death. It's through the valley. And David is reminding us of something here. He's reminding us very simply that our shepherd, he doesn't shelter from. He shepherds through the valley of the shadow of death. He said, in this world, you will have troubles. But you have a shepherd, and I shepherd you through. Three years ago, CNN ran this story that uh, is an article just on their website that just so captivated me it was the story of a shepherd. ISIS was making its way through the Middle East. And they had gotten to Iraq where the shepherd was, and he had this flock of sheep. It's a guy named Shakur Mahmoud. And uh, his picture's up on the screen there. 
Shakur Mahmoud, he decided he's, he knows this is coming, and some of the Iraqi authorities came to his village and said, look, it's better if you don't stay here. They're basically coming through and causing destruction. And so he took his flock and got to this Kurdish border, and he had his whole flock with him. His family was on, he knew they were on the other side of the border somewhere, and he was stopped. And he was stopped at the border, and they said, you can go through, but your sheep are Arab. Your sheep don't go through. And that wasn't the rule for every day. It happened to be the rule on this day. And he came back the next day, and the exact same thing happened. And knowing, this is, this is so powerful to me, knowing his family was on the other side, he made a decision to stay with his sheep. As ISIS came through Iraq, as they just wreaked havoc on the land, on buildings, on people, on livestock, on animals. Here was a shepherd who stayed with his sheep. Did you know you have a shepherd? Those sheep had a shepherd who was willing to stay with them. Did you know you have a shepherd who's willing to stay with you? He says it's not shelter from, it's shepherd through. And the interesting thing about the Lord, who is shepherd, that David points out here, is this shepherd knows this valley. Because he's a shepherd. Some of you know this. He's a shepherd who walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And going through something far, far worse than any of us will ever come up against. When he got through the valley and death had done all it could do to him, he got up. He got up. And at the other side of the valley, he turns and he looks at us and he says, I can get you through it. I can navigate you through it. In fact, David says it this way. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There are a lot of scholars who have looked into what is, what is meant by the rod and the staff. Can I offer one, one possibility? Right here. Do you want to know how the shepherd shepherds through the valley of the shadow of death? It's the word. It's his word. It's what he speaks to us through. And he says, look, if you'll just, my sheep, hear my voice, if you'll just hear my voice, if you'll just hear my voice, if you'll follow, I will guide you. I will shepherd you through the valley. Because the only way a sheep gets through a valley of a shadow, of the valley of the shadow of death, is to hear the voice of the shepherd. And as I sat with that, I went, wow, I've spent a lot of time trying to be a lion and a hamster and a baby shark and, and a deer and I've been so reactive that I've missed the voice of the shepherd. Now, here's what's in interesting. Right here in the psalm, there's like this pivot in the language. And suddenly, suddenly we move from this relationship of sheep to the shepherd to one of God as host. The Lord says, I am host and you are my guests. Take a look at verse 5. David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. See, many of us, we walk through every single day, and what's in mind? It's our enemies. 
And he says, even in the presence of your enemies, even in the valley of the shadow of death, you know what you have? You have a table prepared for you. You have a table prepared. He goes on. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This is the language of somebody who, even in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, has been refueled. My cup overflows, even in the valley. He lands in verse 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of, God, of the Lord forever. Now, I don't know exactly, nobody knows for sure exactly when in David's life he wrote this. But as I read this, I have to think, okay, well, clearly it's after his days as a, as a young shepherd boy because he's got so much perspective on what it's like to be a sheep. But I have to wonder if it was later in his life, after or during his time as, as king, and I can't help wondering if there's an episode that came to mind for him. It's one we actually got to talk about a little bit last year, but it is absolutely one of my favorite episodes and stories in Scripture. David has just become king, and he is, he is going throughout the land, and he is looking for anybody. Because what kings did in that day was if they found any remnant of the previous king, it was called bloodletting. They would slaughter everybody so that that old regime could never rise up again. And he shows up one day, and he shows up, and he says, is there anybody left that I can show kindness to? And anybody who would have heard this would have gone, kindness? Are you sure you're not looking to put the old regime down? And one servant said, well, there's one. And he's the grandson of Saul, the son of your who was your best friend, David, Jonathan, his son, and it's, it's a boy named Mephibosheth. You got to be careful saying that name. It might get you in trouble, okay? Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth, he gave a little background on Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth had had, that's a tongue twister. He had had an accident. There was an accident when he was younger, and he was crippled in both feet. And David said, I want to see him. And everybody around, is, you can feel as you're reading this account, nervous very likely nervous about what David's going to do to Mephibosheth. But Mephibosheth is brought into the room, and here's what David has to say. He says, don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table." You will always eat at my table. That sounds like the language of someone who had experienced his own table in the midst of trouble. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Can I be honest? For, for me, and I know for some in this room, the battle hasn't been trying to be a lion or a hamster, or a deer, for many of us, and for many that I know are in our lives in here, outside these walls, you want to know what the daily struggle is? They look in the mirror, and they think, I'm nothing better 
than a dead dog, a worthless worm. And David, David, having, having known the table set before him, responds to Mephibosheth and says, <clears throat> it says, then the king summoned Zabah, Saul's steward or servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. In other words, you and your sons and your servants, there were 36 of them. Your purpose in life is to make sure that Mephibosheth is cared for and provided for. And it says, and Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem. That would have meant Jerusalem would have meant in God's presence. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. Translation, he lived in God's presence because the king made a spot at the table. And it ends, that episode ends with this, he was lame in both feet. Translation, Mephibosheth lived in the presence of God because a king, in his case, King David, but for you and me, King Jesus made a spot at the table, even when we could do nothing. Nothing at all. Come back to Psalm 23 now. Look at that verse again. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord, not just this life, forever, forever, because the king, King Jesus, at the cross, you know what he did? He made a spot at the table for those who would follow him as sheep. He made a spot at the table. You prepare a table before me. You think maybe that episode with Mephibosheth informed David's thinking as he wrote this? If he wrote it after that episode, I would say definitely. If he wrote it before he met Mephibosheth, then what guidance on how we should connect with and interact with the people we come into contact with? To point them to life as a sheep who has a shepherd. To say, if you will do that, if you will follow him, he has made a place at the table. Will you respond? Will you come to him? So to wrap up this morning, this psalm changed my mind. I mean, ligers are cool, and lions and tigers and bears still make me go, oh my. But I want to be a sheep. I want to be a sheep who hears the shepherd's voice, because sheep, well, they're fulfilled. And sheep are nourished, and his sheep are cared for, and his sheep are guided and led and protected. And for those, for those who will live this life as a sheep, for those who will point others to just how good it is to be a sheep, he says, come to the table. Come to the table. And so I'd like to ask, I know there are many in here, that maybe you've heard this before, but you thought, I'm going to try it my own way. And maybe you've tried to live life as a lion, 
and you realize just how many people that hurts. There are those of us in here that have been spinning as if on a hamster wheel. There are those of us that are like deer, that at the slightest scare we run. And there are those who look in the mirror each and every single day and we see a dead dog, as Mephibosheth said. Could I invite you? Could I invite you for the first time, maybe, to live life as a sheep? Because a sheep has a shepherd, and it's the absolute best animal you could try to be like and emulate. If that's you, or if you've wandered your own way many, many times, I'd invite you to pray this prayer with me as the worship team comes up. Heavenly Father, we come before you as people who have, uh, we've been drained. We come before you drained people. And as all we have to do is look at this psalm. All we have to do is open your word and experience your staff, your guiding staff in our lives to discover you can fulfill us. And Heavenly Father, we know you can nourish us and you can give us rest. Even in the moments of the calendar that we feel drained. Heavenly Father, you know how badly we want to avoid the valley of the shadow of death, and yet you told us it would be here. In this world, we would have troubles throughout our lives. And so we come to you. And we want to change our ways. We want to repent. And Lord, right now, we pray. We believe. For those in here who are struggling with belief that what you did on the cross was sufficient, that you died for our sins and rose again so that we could live life and life abundant, life to the fullest. Lord, help our unbelief. But we come to you now and invite you in. We can't even repent or believe without your help. And so we come to you, having tried everything else for many of us, and ask to be part of your flock. Let us hear your voice. Come in and be Lord, be our shepherd. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I wanna meet you. I'll be out in the foyer afterwards. Come find me.